for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, good morning. Good morning to you and Paul. And last, morning, but, and last but not least, the uh, East Village Magazine consulting editor, Jan Worth Nelson, joins us. Hi, Jan. Good morning. Good morning, Jan. Hey, Good Jan. Good morning. Well, let me uh, start out as we uh, typically do with uh, some quotes. Um, been been an interesting uh, interesting week to be sure, but uh, <laughs> to say the least. Wow. <laughs> we start with uh, four. Uh, well, we start with some uh, quotes. The first one being the uh, "finish the quote" fashioned after Flint-based comedian Mark Bondo's Facebook feature, "Finish the Joke." We open armchair politics with "Finish the Quote." How would you finish? This quote, it has been well said that a hungry man is more interested in what? In the next meal? <laughs> that's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close, Paul. The, the actual quote is, it has been well said that a hungry man is more interested in four sandwiches than four freedoms. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Well stated. Ooh. Maslow. Yes, and, and it's believable. And that yeah. that came. From, who do you think that? Who, who do you think said that, Paul? 
Uh, I'm gonna, Frank and Roosevelt would be too easy because he's. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, the comedian. It does no. It does go back a ways. Henry Cabot Lodge. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. okay. Uh. Supreme Court Justice. Yeah. Well, the uh, one of the quotes of the week, and there are so many, but uh, um, is is this one? We have to do our part to be responsible. It means following the science, listening to the experts, washing our hands, social distancing. It means wearing a mask in public. It means encouraging others to do so as well. Who do you Gregson think? Gregson Whitmer. Yeah, Governor Whitmer after the court ruling. No, it was uh, Joe Biden. He uh, said, yeah, that's, oh. oh, he copied it. That's plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, President Donald Trump's positive test for coronavirus is a bracing reminder of the seriousness of the pandemic in a speech Friday during a pared-back trip to Michigan that followed Biden uh, testing negative for the virus that morning. Um, is this election, uh, which is less than 30 days away, is it becoming all about the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it's, everything else revolves around. I mean, the economy is always an issue, but the economy is is so tied to the pandemic that I don't see how you get away from the pandemic. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, yeah. The self-destructive guy in the White House seems to have kind of assured that that's the case. It's yeah, and I would say there's the, there's the Trump factor, the Trump personality, but even that is, is tied to the pandemic, especially these days. So, but this yeah, I mean, is how look, you can also go ahead. Look what happened in the stock market yesterday. I, I mean, the volatility that's being engendered is really worrisome. I think. Yeah. And this is how you can get people to be emotionally involved in the discussion. <clears throat> people are afraid of the virus and they don't want to die and they don't have enough information and we don't know enough information as to what the final income is we're still floundering for for responses and one response on one side seemed to match up with the response on the other side but people say listen to the science right yeah. simple yeah, as well, that I think I th and, and, and i think not, you're right it doesn't give all the answers, but it certainly suggests reasonable behavior. Yeah. Well, here's here's well, I, another. I think, the, I think the emotional impact is going to give us maybe the largest turnout for any election we've seen for a very long time. Yeah, revolving around the pandemic, and it'll, it'll, you know, Black Lives Matter and a lot of other things too. But I think uh, the energy is there on both sides, and we may see a huge turnout. Yeah, probably on both sides. Well, a there friend was... of mine uh, went to take his absent or went to take his ballot down to City Hall, and when he went to put it in the box, he said it was so full he could barely get his in. Yeah, really. Yeah. Now, uh, Sandy, was... Sandy, and I mailed ours in, and I know I said that I was going to take it in person, but we felt that you know, with virtually a month, that we were relatively comfortable that it would make it to our clerk yeah. in time. Well, you know, in for the for the primary, we mailed ours in, and I think we dropped it off. In the, we were at the post office anyhow doing other things, so we dropped it off, I think, on a Tuesday, and by Friday, it, it, Thursday or Friday, it was it had arrived already in the in the city clerk's office. So 
and that was about two weeks before the election. So we, uh, frankly, if with this kind of a lead time, I I wouldn't feel uncomfortable mailing it in myself either. Uh, so well, no, I I would I would not either. Excuse me, Jan. Go ahead. Jan. Yes. Jan is yours. Yet. Hello. Say say again, Jan. No, if yours was received. Do I know? No, I do not. But it's only been a couple of days. Uh huh. I'm checking right now to see if mine is re was recorded. Um, let me see here. Hey, yeah. So I just went to the uh, Michigan Voter Information Center, and it says that my ballot was received on October second. That's really. When did you drop it off? I dropped it off. Uh, at City Hall on maybe the first. Yeah, oh, we dropped off, off on Thursday. The basically, yeah. So that's really great to see, be able to see that yeah. on the Michigan, uh, Voter Information Center page. And it just shows you how much technology is believable and how valuable it is and how trustworthy. Uh, yeah, I, I think when push comes yeah. to shove, we're going to get our act together. And I think, that, you know, for all the worries about ballots being lost and all that, I suspect this may be one of the more efficient elections we've seen for a long time, too. I just, you know, there'll be some confusion because it's the first time we've done a lot of things. But I, I have a hunch that people are going to get their act together. Yeah, I would well, see the four uh, people, the four government officials yesterday that did a joint appearance. Did you see that? Christopher Ray, uh, I forget all the other people that were there, um, sort of saying we're going to make sure that this is going to operate properly at the national level. Yes, so I did see that. Security. Yeah. It's almost like they had they did what Trump should have been doing all along, but it's, it's quite effective. Those four guys. Right. Well, uh, on the other side of that issue, there was a man I believe in St. Louis. He says, "I'm going to go out and test this." So he walked up to the counter and said, I want to pick up a ballot for my wife. His wife had been dead 10 years, I believe. And uh, the clerk was smart enough to over, no, the teller or whatever she is, reported this incident to the clerk. And the clerk investigated and found out that this was a fraud. And that's the kind of stuff that gives voting um, a bad name, although the incident rate is very, very low, but it is what causes just the question. Well, and there's well, the, and the there's point, another. Point they, 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 they stopped it there, didn't they? The, the clerk said no. Yes, about yes, it, yes. Yeah. So, so it, he may be in jail. Right now. Yeah, but, yeah. But had yeah. but had he been successful and gotten a ballot and filled it out and <laughs> dropped it off. There is a step that's supposed to occur where the signature is checked against the signature on file, and if that doesn't match, yeah. that ballot gets thrown out. So that this this idea that somehow there are people getting, you know, boxes full of uh, uh, blank ballots and and filling them out um, in the names of of other people or dead people or or whatever there's there's a check against that too right 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 yeah. i mean um well. turned in our ballots i turned ted's in uh forum and i had to fill out a form i was questioned about it in person right there in the uh you know on the third floor of city hall where you can turn them in now and then the form that i filled out is attached to ted's ballot so when they open it 
um, there will be a thing that indicates that it was turned in by me and that I was his wife, and I had to sign that too. So they could even match my signature to their other records of you know my signature elsewhere. Sure. I thought that was reassuring. Well, this this is good for for political politics or political philosophy and and our practice in the United States that we have ways of now going back and extracting out um, people who will try to uh, disrupt the voting system. But the only thing that we can't do, we can't stop the the Russians or the Chinese from interfering. Yeah. Well, as I yeah, say, we got to figure out that. Above and beyond the pandemic issues, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be said for mail-in voting in general. I mean, maybe even after the pandemic is gone, we may find some virtue in the system that it does open those voting to a lot more people, gives you a chance to study the ballot in ways you couldn't do otherwise, and it, in many ways more convenient. As much as I, I kind of enjoy the uh, the ritual and the ceremony of Election Day, there's a yeah. lot to be said for the mail-in voting. Yeah. I haven't voted yet, and I've been thinking about uh, whether I want to go out and vote or just send my ballot in. Uh, but I'm yeah. comfortable well, with either one. I'm just trying to make sure. Uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> well, let me see if I can squeeze. But I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about all of the things that and I'm just watching. You know, I'm a Trump supporter, so I... But I do believe in good government, and I believe in government that's trustworthy. And uh, so um, I will get there. Yeah. Um. Ran into a, a weird situation. Um, I, I won't say which party, but uh, Sandy had had checked the box for voting straight ticket and then went down through the ballot and voted for each of the offices. And uh-huh. I was I was a little concerned that if she had, you know, straddled uh, party lines in any of those races, if she might have spoiled her ballot, but but she voted for all people on that ticket. So I'm not sure how that'll how that'll count. That will have no there's a cancellation process in there. If you you can vote for a person in one party and then transfer over and vote for a different person in a different position in another party. Yeah, I saw something on Facebook in the last week where someone stated that if you had voted straight party stroke ticket and then did that, that would void your ballot. And that was news to me. In fact, what I thought I had heard in past years is that if you vote straight ticket and you choose to make an exception, you want to vote for the other party for one office somewhere, you could do that without messing up at your ballot. So I, again, what I, maybe what I saw on Facebook was not accurate, but I, I had heard someone say that if you vote straight ticket and then you go down and mark off the individual offices, uh, <coughs> even for your own party, that that would avoid your ballot. And that, that's news to me. I, I'd not heard that before, and I'm not certain if that's accurate. Yeah, uh, and, and, no, and imagine, and part, imagine right. Facebook uh, having something that wasn't accurate. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I say I take it with a grain of salt. Hey, everybody, I've got to take a break here, but uh, we'll come back. I I have another quote from uh, a national figure who was swinging through Michigan recently, and and we'll get into that when we return. I have uh, Jan Worth Nelson, and uh, she's joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. We'll have more armchair politics right after this. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The Spangled Dwarf in his bow tie. The infantry that don't ask why. Hi, I'm Bob Dylan. Remember those fabulous 60s? The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel. Who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff's airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Tom Sumner. 
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now with our roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by e, uh, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Welcome back, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to be here. Um, moving on, uh, I, I wanted to try and squeeze this uh, quote in during the last segment, but we we had such a good conversation going, we didn't get to it. But another national figure made their way through Michigan and had this to say, it is not enough to complain or to moan and groan. We've got to fight back, and the first way is to vote. Who do you think said that? Oh, I read that. That was uh, Bernie Sanders made a simple oh, and straightforward pitch to right. coll- college students on why it's important to vote. If you don't cast a ballot this year, President Donald Trump may win re-election. That can't happen for a generation leading the fight against sexism, racism, bigotry, and climate change, Sanders said Monday afternoon during a swing through Michigan to campaign for Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Do you think younger voters are more or less likely to vote during this election cycle? I, I think more uh, that's yet undetermined well, because there's there's a lot of transition going on with young people. There there was a time when they didn't vote at all; they didn't yeah. pay too much attention. But now, on the college campus, there is a reinvigoration of interest and enthusiasm in voting by young people. So the rate of Change is growing. Yeah, that's a good uh, sign. I, gonna, oh, go ahead, Jan. Go ahead, Jan. Oh, no, I'm just going to agree with Henry and, and uh, say it, it does seem to be the case that the interest level is higher, and let's hope that the numbers support that. Yeah, I was going to say that historically that uh, young voters have had the lowest turnout among various age groups, <laughs> the 18 to 30-year-olds, but I suspect it'll be higher than it was in 16. Uh, but if it follows historical patterns, unfortunately, probably the younger voters are still going to have among the lower turnouts among various age groups. They've really been a college student uh, or the school. You know, anybody involved in, in their, still involved in their education, um, they certainly would have reason to express their voice on all this. It's really up to oh, yeah. lives. And I think the activism going on around Black Lives Matter and similar kind of causes is going to is going to you know, gin up the yes. turnout a bit. Um, right. I wonder well, if they you, know how you to can do see. Go, go ahead, Dan. I, I just wonder if they know how to do it. You know, when, <laughs> when I hear that the League of Women Voters is banned from sh- going into high schools to teach kids how to yes. vote or you know talk about oh, voting. Yeah. I just wonder yes. if they've never voted before. Would that be intimidating? And there is—is is there anybody officially or unofficially guiding them along the way on that? I mean, it's—it's it's yes. Every school and every college has what you call student groups: Republican Party student groups, Democrat Party groups, Black Lives Matter, whatever. So people, there is an exchange of information for those who have the enthusiasm and the interest. And there are a lot more young people. On the rolls, for example, I was looking at the Supreme Court justice candidate uh, that was taking a picture with uh, Matthew uh, from Davison. 
mm-hmm. I couldn't tell whether she was a student or not, because she and Matthew look yeah, so close to alike. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Did you see the picture? She was no, like I the Supreme Court picture, Yeah. There I was a great... Yeah, there was a great yeah, scene in, in he, the... He's running for county commission, isn't he, right now? Yes, yes. Yeah. There was a great scene in the uh, in the television uh, show, The West Wing, where one of the White House staffers is uh, escorting a young person who had never voted before to their polling place, <laughs> and, the, 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 and the kid goes in, and he votes, and he comes out, and he goes, that was fun. I'm going to go again. <laughs> <laughs> Vote early and vote often. <laughs> he says, no, you, can, you can't go again. Um, well, moving on to something a little closer to home, two more city council members have been targeted for recall, and the Genesee County Election Commission has scheduled an October 13th hearing to decide whether the efforts can move forward. Proposed recall language against Ward 3 Councilman Santino Guerra was filed by Richard Jones of East Dewey Street, while Audrey F. Young of Kirkwood Lane filed proposed language against Ward 2 Councilman Maurice Davis. The language filed against Guerra says he should lose his position on council because he voted against overriding the veto of a council resolution to do all things necessary to immediately release funding being withheld by the city to pay W.T. Stevens for its work on water service line replacements. Young's language against Davis is identical to a recall petition filed against him less than a year ago by another Flint resident. It says Davis should be removed from office because he voted against issuing a subpoena to Aoni Gilcrest, a former top advisor to former Mayor Karen Weaver. Davis and Guerra are not the first council members to have been hit recently with proposed recalls earlier this week. The Elections uh, Elections Commission denied petition language filed against Ward 8 Councilman Alan Griggs saying it was unclear. That was the second time Griggs was targeted for recall in just one year's time. Are recalls a symptom of a cultural need for immediate gratification? Uh, that's a good a good way to phrase it. Yeah, yeah. You know, before. Well, uh, go ahead, Henry. Well, it shows how inept the city council is. How inept the people are who vote for people on the council. <clears throat> The the process is a political process that offers opportunities for people who are engaged in the political process. Of, or Henry, you sounded you sounded like uh, you sounded like Barry Simon there for a minute. <laughs> Barry Simon well, was, well, was was always true. saying, you can, if, "If you think the council's bad, look at the voters." <laughs> yeah, but but you cannot yeah. run a city that way. A city has to have some coherence and it has to have some connectivity uh, with with each other, a process or something like that. Just because you don't like the way somebody looks or the, somebody, the position that they take is not always a reason to recall that person, interrupt the elective elect process, the deliberative process. Yeah. And it just sounds ugly and people need to let that, system work out. No wonder these guys on the council can't get anything done. They're afraid of the public. You know, I, before they changed the law on recall and tightened it up a bit a few years back, I used to be saying in class that you couldn't go two or three weeks in Genesee County without somebody trying to recall somebody. You know, if you look at somebody cross-eyed, they try and recall you. They tightened that up a bit, 
But it looks like in Flint, they really haven't learned by the old lessons. And every time somebody votes the way you don't happen to feel, don't happen to agree with, they go out and try and recall you. Now, many of these fall by the wayside because they they aren't clear or they're just simply coming out of anger in some way. But it, it really is a, a clumsy way to run government. I mean, clearly, if somebody's committing a felony or, or not doing their duty in, a, in an egregious way, yeah, they deserve recall. But just because they voted on an issue you don't happen to agree with is generally not going to be And you know, worldwide, the people in the city of Flint are characterized by how other people see them. And they see them yeah, much like true. I see them. And But people are afraid to tell you because they don't want to get involved in this thing with race and stuff like that. But there's a way cities need to be run. And, yeah, uh, I, I like to take a look at it. Go ahead, Jan. Henry, you used oh, the word deliberative no. process earlier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd like to propose the notion that um, there, it, that a recall represents sort of a failure of the deliberative process. It's like how do we how do we express our disagreements and persuade each other, you know, to a certain point of view? Um, that takes time sometimes, and uh, and also theoretically some skill of. What, what do you bring to a decision, uh, especially if there's disagreement? And it seems like um, the whole notion of persuasion has been lost, that, which is sort of the essence of politics, isn't it? Well, and that's why I yeah, use the phrase immediate gratification, because, um, you know, in, in the deliberative process, we learn about the people we elect over the course of a term in office and if we find in decisions that they have uh, made or votes that they have cast um, that don't agree with what we think they should be doing we have that opportunity to replace them with someone else during the next election cycle but we no longer wait for that you know as yeah, soon as somebody does something right. we don't agree with it, it's time for them to be gone. I'm going to coin a phrase here, frivolous recalls. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Good uh, so of those kind of things. The person who is making this, or uh, several people make uh, such a frivolous uh, recall, don't represent the body of people who, may, who have elected that person. And yeah. therefore, there needs to be another step there to verify uh, the right to do this, and it's it's absent there. Just for a person going out and saying, hey, I'm going to recall you because you voted against this action or that action. And so I go to court and get that authority and then uh, sort of get petitions and stuff that go out and completely disrupt the, it, like, the, the, disrupt the political process. And that's what it's as like. As I say, I think the state did a good thing a few years back when they did tighten up the rules for the recall. In the past, you could recall somebody almost at any time for almost any reason, and it became yeah. a little more, little more limited in, in recent years. So that that does it's a step in the right direction. I, another comment uh, I like that um, ahead, you know, Dan. when I was calling for citizens to sort of engage in the persuasion process more uh, with their elected officials. Um, who could blame the citizens for not wanting to do that when you see how the city council meetings go? <laughs> that, that, that much yeah. Is true, yeah. Uh, there, there's one thing I'd like to interject right here. When I was president, the several times I was president of the Clio Board of Education, I um, tried to explain to our group that it is better to be honest on the board and to be collected as a group working in the interest of the people in this district. 
and also working consistently with the superintendent. If there's a division that occurs, people are going to engage and they're going to, in the process, and they're going to have recalls or they're going to vote against you. And there were, we had very few, very few people who wanted to recall anyone there. I know that there was one time there was, and everybody was replaced except me. And I was kind of lucky there um, because uh, people mm. were mad in the community. And this was about the email issue. And so uh, we, we, we discussed things deliberately in the open forum and honestly, and if anybody has any objection, put it on the table now. And uh, we avoided that. And I would like to see the city of Flint get their act together. They had the same problem with uh, Mayor Weaver uh, generation. Well, I'm glad to see that those voters were at least smart enough not to replace you, Henry. Right. Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The city city of Flint has mailed out more than 15,000 absentee ballots in advance of the November 3rd election, the Flint clerk's office says. Clerk's office has taken on additional staff to make sure that absentee ballot applications are processed immediately, the city said in a news release. In addition, voters continue to come to the clerk's office daily to exercise their right to vote early. Clerk Inez Brown has said her office is open on a daily basis from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday through Election Day. In addition, the office will be open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, October 17th, 18th, 24th, 25th, and on Halloween, October 31st, as well as November 1st, to distribute absentee ballots over-the-counter. The The city struggled with absentee ballots during the primary election. During uh, the primary, Flint's absentee count was among the last reported in the state coming on the day following the election. Do you think we'll have results the day after the election? (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. I really doubt it. It it might be 48 hours instead of 24, is my guess. I I missed your guess. Well, there's some language that says that the president is not seated by the 6th of January. They, they will uh, have an, use their options. Is it the 6th or the 20th? Congress. Well, maybe. January, January no, he's 20th. inaugurated on the 20th. Gotcha. That's his inauguration date. But I think I read the 6th for some reason. Hmm. So we'll have to see. These are all... I know there are there uh, are some time, time there are some timelines in there that that I've come across recently and I don't remember exactly what they were, but I was surprised to see that there are certain deadlines for the electoral college for you know these various right. alternative the twentieth of December is the deadline for the college. Yeah, and uh. and I was surprised to see that there's there's a whole set of uh, timelines built into uh, alternative decision-making processes, just as there is after after we hear the results, uh, you know, in the, historically on election night or the day after, um, that, uh, you know, it's not made official for about two weeks when a board right. of canvassers reviews the, the mm-hmm. election and then certifies the counts. But if it goes to the 6th of December, you know who becomes president automatically, don't you? Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. <laughs> really? 
no, no, no. Just, uh, I well, just he's got the vote. The house, the house makes this decision. You got to know that. Yeah, if the electoral college can't decide, one yeah. way or the other. If the electoral, and then yeah. the, it goes to the house, and the house decides. That would be early January, Henry. If it's a, if the electoral college can't yeah, decide it's the in December. Yes, of January. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. January sixth. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I said but that. But the reason I yeah. the reason I know this is I had an opportunity to walk through this process in real time. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, several times. So, Henry, are you gonna be an elector again if Trump wins Michigan? Uh no. But 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 the electors have already been decided and I didn't even see that. Uh. I I have I they wrote so much about my daughter and and I and and 16, uh, about being the only uh, father-daughter team ever in the history of the United States. To, sure. And you wrote that same story in your yeah. article, right? Yeah, yeah, I Thank wrote you it. so much. That, yeah. that, carried a long, that carried a long way around the country. <laughs> Thank you. That was an enjoyable story to write, I'll tell you. Thank you. You did a really good job on it. Well, executive order or not, the Genesee County Health Department and Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely are asking residents and businesses to continue recommended precautions to slow the spread of COVID-19. We need to take precautions to save lives, Neely told MLive, the Flint Journal, on Monday. The Michigan Supreme Court uh, ruled Friday that Governor Gretchen Whitmer does not have authority under either of the state's emergency statutes to continue the coronavirus state of emergency. Whitmer on Monday filed a motion asking the court to confirm whether her emergency orders remain in effect temporarily until the end of this month. Also on Monday, MDHHS Director Robert Gordon issued an emergency order under state law restricting gathering sizes, requiring face coverings in public spaces, and putting limitations on bars and other venues. State officials have said Whitmer and MDHHS, which has independently uh, or which has independent statutory authority during epidemics, will continue using every tool possible to keep Michigan families safe. Do you think people will follow uh, CDC, MDHHS, and other medical professionals' uh, guidelines moving forward? I do. Uh, but evidence would suggest a whole block of people I mean, that see it as yeah. politics and yeah. will not follow well, can I look at this from a statistical point? Generally, people follow the directions of science. That's where we are. But there are several people that won't follow anybody. They won't follow a rainbow. Or if there were a pot of gold there, they just will not do it. But by and large, this has been a successful adventure, and so has the governor's effort to uh, uh, to keep people safe distance and stuff like that, even though she may have overstepped the boundary. And Here's a question. Do you, do you think the fact that it's not taken out of the governor's hands and now in, 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 in experts' hands of sorts, at least in several governmental well, bodies, does that make it more well, likely people will follow and make it less political? Um, no, but what has happened here is that uh, it's been taken out of the governor's hands solely and given back to the legislature part. as part of yeah, it's given back to the people, the legislature. And the governor and the legislature now will decide 
how they move from there, which is a much better way, even though the governor has been successful. Uh, and we, the, what we right. say is, is uh, just uh, um, it's minimal close to the truth. The governor has been very effective. She's been effective in schools. She's been effective in public places. She's been effective in stadiums and so on and so forth. But then that the duration of uh, the emergency has a time limit. Now we're mm-hmm. getting close to a time limit where people are getting antsy. And they say, hey, governor, you don't have the authority to do this. We've got to let the courts decide. And that's what the courts have decided. So, but you've got to send this back to the legislature. Go ahead, Jan. Why does this feel like something against the public health, of the, the, the health of the people? I mean, and why does this feel like something that gets in the way of the progress of the state? I mean, the, the progress that the state has made. You know, we all remember the first few weeks of the pandemic, Michigan was third in the country. We had a huge right. wave that went through here and took thousands of there were thousands and thousands of cases, and um, and then, and now we're down in seventeenth, I think, something like that in the numbers. I, I don't understand the impulse behind this. That it it feels like this is not something that communicates to the public that the state is on our side on our health. You know, I mean, it it makes me wonder, Jan, because of how political this became you know a public health crisis shouldn't be political and would the governor have been wiser if she didn't think she could work with the legislature as the uh, emergency management act from 1976 encourages um, if she might have been wiser to work with mdhhs and issue these kinds of um uh, guidelines under their authority rather than by executive order if if she might have made it less political by doing it that way if she didn't think the legislature would go along with her recommendations right uh, so yeah, it looks like what's happening now I mean it's, by going that direction it may be making it a bit less political <clears throat> but whether people are going to follow it any more or less than in the past remains to be seen well, we move on to we move on to different platforms. We are going to work out of this, and everything will be fine. And the governor did a good job when she went back to the legislature and said, "Hey, we need a better budget for schools of the state." And so I want you guys to work with me. And and the Republicans in the legislature, okay, Madam Governor, we will work with you, provided that you accept part of our recommendations. And this is what happened. And they passed that without an, a glitch. We have a great, and everybody has accepted that with um, the consent of, of, uh, of the legislature. Well, you know, one thing true about this governor, she's the first governor among the last two who's had legislative experience. So she's, she's got, unlike the last two governors, she's got some background in working with lawmakers. And, and, and that was really one of her selling points when she got elected, is that she did have that experience compared to either Snyder yes. or, or Granholm, for that matter. So there's uh, we there uh, Henry. I got. I'm sorry. I got to cut you off there, but uh, because we have another break coming up, but we'll uh, we'll pick this up when we uh, when we return. 
Um, this Thank is you. Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by uh, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we'll let them in. If you're streaming us, Hello, we have some citizen. messages as Duck well. Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. 
It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name was... This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth-Nelson. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Okay. The owner of an Owasso barber shop who became a figurehead for those opposed to executive orders issued by Governor Gretchen Whitmer amid the COVID-19 pandemic is calling for all charges against him to be dropped after the state high court's ruling. The Michigan Supreme Court decision on Friday ruled the governor does not have authority to extend emergency orders under two emergency acts. The the Emergency uh, Management Act from 1976 and the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act from 1945. Neither act, the court ruled, gave Governor Gretchen Whitmer the authority to continue declaring states of emergency or issuing unilateral orders under them past April 30th when her initial declaration would have expired. Carl Mankey had fought those executive orders, reopening May 4th, despite Whitmer's executive order that shut down salons and barbershops since March 17th in the state. Those businesses were allowed to reopen June 15th. Should the charges against Carl Mankey be dropped? No, uh, you know, that's good. That's conditional. You cannot fight the law certified by the people of the state of Michigan and be exonerated for it. He's got to take a slap on the hand or something. But she just can't go out and give him unconditional uh, freedom to do that. Other people who go through the same process will expect the same process. Thank you. I agree with you for the most part, Henry. My only concern is I'm not sure I want to make this guy a martyr because I can see him playing. No, you don't want to. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I I have a hunch that's his motive, but I could be wrong. But I, I just... But you can't do that. You make all of the people of the state of Michigan a martyr if you do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. There should be some penalty of some kind. Yeah. It's ironic that um, we even worry about whether he would be made a martyr under the circumstances where there were really legitimate concerns here about the, you know, going back to the whole question of public health and safety. Uh, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? interesting that we worry about whether he'd be made a martyr by people who would celebrate him for flaunting what was a preventive measure, you know, uh, to, to, to make us healthier. It's, it's sad. And I, and I agree with, I personally agree with you, Henry. I think there has to be something. See, that's, what, yeah. that's how government gets broken down, piece right. by piece, until there's nothing left except... Uh, Anarchy. We can't do that. We're a nation of laws. Guys, remember that. Well, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer pulled no punches during a television appearance Sunday with her thoughts about the Supreme Court's decision over her use of emergency powers during the COVID-19 pandemic. During a five-minute appearance Sunday morning on CNN's State of the Union, Whitmer told host Jake Tapper she was disappointed in the outcome two days ago by Michigan's high court striking down her use of two emergency acts to continue the state of emergency. 
Neither act, the court ruled, gave Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer the authority to continue declaring states of emergency or issuing unilateral orders under <coughs> them past April 30th when her initial declaration would have expired. Um, the, the bigger question uh, that I have is, how does the Michigan Supreme Court's ruling affect future emergencies and or future governors? Yeah. Well, they'll be limited to those to the seventy-six law and, th- and the thirty to twenty-eight day limit, won't they? That, that's I mean, that's the major guideline. I understand it. Yeah, I think I is it twenty-eight it. or twenty-one? I mean, <laughs> I I think I think the 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 current ruling doesn't doesn't kick it doesn't actually take effect until twenty-one days in the future. But I thought the the seventy-six law was twenty-eight days. Well, it could be, but the but, but the operative part of that act is. That that whatever that time limit is, the governor can act unilaterally up until the uh, up until that point, and then needs legislative right. approval to continue beyond that. Yeah, and and, and you know we don't have to worry about we don't have to worry about this so much because in college campuses, professors are reviewing this stuff, attorney associations, the Supreme Court itself. The Attorney General, they're all reviewing this process the same as they review school rules. And something will emerge out of that that will um, eliminate the problem that we are um, having right now with the, with the, um, uh, the lack of de- decision-making here. And uh, you know so we can, we can look forward to that. Yeah. When Pardon? this first happened, Henry, I was looking back and, and I was surprised to learn how often governors have used the emergency power, mostly the 76 power. But, I mean, I, I forgot the exact number, but there were maybe a dozen or two times in the last few years the governor has used that. But mostly it was for a day or two when there was a, a heavy snowfall or a flood or some other yeah. you know, natural an accident someplace that, that went on for a while. And it was it was very, you know the, the the pandemic is such an unusual event that nearly all of the other past emergency powers were fairly brief, a couple of days or a week at the very most. Um, so it's a very different kind of an event. Governors need that authority, just like uh, President Roosevelt did in 1941, December the seventh. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, some school districts will continue with safety protocols while others are ditching the masks amid news of the Michigan Supreme Court's ruling against the governor's executive orders. Um, The executive orders impacted include a mask mandate for elementary students inside classrooms. An executive order from Whitmer would have gone into effect... um, this past Monday requiring all K through 5 students to wear masks in their classrooms prior to this order masks were only required in the classroom for older students the state's ruling will nullify this order though Whitmer has noted it remains in effect for 21 days guidance to local districts will come in the days before the ruling takes effect uh, Bill DeSessa Michigan Department of Education spokesman said should these policies be decided by individual school districts? Um, it would sure really the virus be... is going to follow district lines. I mean, that, I mean, go ahead, Jan. Go back to the science and the medicine. Go ahead, Jan. Go ahead. No, that's that's I was I that's what I was going to say. It's like one of the problems all the way along here has been that the lack of coordination of all these complications 
and it would really be nice if there could be sort of a collective collective approach here. Let's let's all try to operate. There, I I think it it's really confusing for parents, teachers, yeah. you know, to mm-hmm. back and forth and back and forth and have to have all these meetings for individual boards to try to decide. I think that's just the wrong place for the decisions to be made on something that, as Paul said, doesn't observe boundaries. Uh, and, and, you know, part of the problem is is that uh, the scientific community is not solid on this because the scientific community says that you need exposure to viruses in order for your immune system to become acceptable to them. And kids who need to transfer, uh, you know, uh, germs or whatever, as they typically do, and and their young bodies will develop this immunity over time. So there's this philosophy that you're impeding the development of the immune system by not letting it work naturally. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that, so you might want to read about it. But it, it's not it's not being said. In, by, in a way, to me, yeah. that's an argument for a more collective approach because asking yes. individual boards, school boards, to figure out all this uh, evolving science on this is just asking too much. I think uh, mm-hmm. too many people. Yeah. I I, yes. I feel like I think you're right. This is a new virus. People are learning as we go. Um, and, I, of course, I would like to say something about this um, immunity, full immunity notion, too. Henry, you do realize that if that was really made the, you know, sort of the approach, we're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions more people that would have to get it, and that would also yeah. mean yeah. or death. So, I mean, if you're going to go with that strategy for that to work scientifically, as I'm sure you know, um, that would mean the death of hundreds of thousands more old people. So, you know, get in line if you want to take that approach because all of us that are talking right now might be some of the ones that would be sacrificed right, right. for the herd, human, yes. herd immunity yes. idea. I'm not willing to be called by that approach. Well, that's science, you know, and that's science, survival Henry, of the fittest, you know. Yeah, that's what you, you believe know, in, survival. I know. I, you do understand what... <laughs> If that becomes yes, yes, I do. I understand your point. I take your point, granted. Yeah. Thank you. Well, is any 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 other final comments on uh, whether or not the uh, uh, Paul? Did you have want to weigh in on whether gonna, individual school districts? Say, as Jan said, it, it makes it so confusing for local school boards, and every little committee's got to decide what to do. When the science, as I say, the, the, the virus doesn't stop at boundary lines, whether it's school districts or cities or counties or even states. Um, yeah, maybe some areas are very low in, in the virus today, but if, unless they do something, it's, it's going to change by next week or next month. So, yeah, clearly this, is, this ought to be a, a collective nationwide effort in large part. Well, here yeah, we are. Yeah, and I think that we're going to transfer this argument to that higher level of discussion about these to people who have the science and the experience and the willpower to it's come out with something coherent. It's a huge challenge for the people at that level, but that's where that's where it's needed, I think. Well, we have to put a yeah. pause here as we uh, 
approach the top of the hour and a uh, quick break for show ID, but we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics um, right after the top of the hour. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a, a, a word in or so. And uh, if you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 